Welcome, everybody, to the Complete Inbox podcast. Uh, my name is Rich Green. With me is Phil Ernst. And I really did a good job of making that sound like a YouTube uh, intro. I was like, hey, YouTube, <laughs> welcome to my stream. Whatever. Right. right? So Thanks in advance for all your likes and subscribes. <laughs> That's right. So this is the Complete Inbox podcast um, where we talk about mostly retro game stuff, uh, what's happening in the world of tech and, and nerddom, uh, the best uh, 30, uh, people in their mid-30s can handle. Right. And so the agreement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, I'm Rich Green and uh, just so Phil and I have been friends for a very long time, uh, like over 20 years now or yeah, right around actually, 20 years. It's got to be. Well, I mean, Biz uh, Ed junior year. So yeah. whatever that. Uh, uh, some... It'll be 20 years next year. I think that'd be what? About 99. Yeah. So some gangly skinny yeah. guy and oh, yeah. a frumpy fat dude uh, became best friends essentially <laughs> in high school. Right. Uh, so a little bit about uh, us and sort of where we came from is this idea sort of started like 10 years ago when Phil was in college uh, and we used to record just us playing music, uh, sort of like a fake radio show <laughs> on tape. Right. Yep. That's right. It was, uh, it was on an old, it was a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down. I don't even know if it still exists. I hope somewhere. I imagine it is. It's probably, you know, it hasn't been thrown out, I bet. I bet it's still recording somebody. But it's a little four-track analog set recorder um, that I was able to borrow off of a friend of mine who's in a local band at the time. And, yeah, we just – I spent probably 20% of whatever windfall I got from my student loans directly to Radio Shack. So they had a stellar week when uh, school got back in session that fall at school. But – um yeah, just kind of bought up all the necessary stuff, and we we duct tape one together. It was pretty funny. I don't know if any of those tapes exist, but I if they did, I would probably destroy them. I'm afraid to even listen to them, uh, based on what I imagine could be some significant cringe. But at the same time, they could be great. Who knows? Uh, yeah, and you also might be the you also might be the last person to buy anything at Radio Shack. I agree. I think that was the last week. They're like, finally, you know, liquidate the last of our little mic stand stock. Oh, and I bet they were so expensive, man. Like this is yeah. before Amazon, when just to get like a mic stand that was probably six inches off a desk would be like, well, that'll only be twenty nine ninety five, just like a piece of iron that's coated. Well, I also remember when you bought like the the noise canceling headphones, and I was like, man, this seems like an <laughs> awful lot for something we do in your bedroom. <laughs> that's true. It's true. No, and I think a lot of it. Now that I'm remembering it, I also went to pawn shops a lot. So yeah, a lot. Of, you live right next to Monster Pawn. That's right, Monster Pond. I think a lot of unfortunate people with like you know serious hi-fi slash drug addictions were really kind of on the losing end of all this. And uh, <laughs> I was the benefactor of of some probably pretty decent noise canceling headphones that you know probably were twenty bucks, but maybe had come in contact with like human tears like twice. So you know they're like haunted headphones from whoever whatever sketchy folks got those into Monster Pond. But otherwise, yeah, yeah we made it work. We did. It was it was a lot of fun. And you did you asked if I had the tapes? Yeah. Oh, uh, I wish I did because I could digitize them at work. Oh, that'd be such right. a good idea. Because here's what's weird about I mean, what I remember about the tapes is that I kept them. But I mean, at that age, it, it, this wasn't like the '90s. It wasn't like tapes were ubiquitous even when we were using this thing. Like this was this weird. We had to go out and buy cassette tapes, and I probably went to like uh, three different stores first before I could even find any. And uh, I remember. That was the one tape player I had too, basically, was that four track recorder. So I was shocked when, oh, about a year after we were done even doing that, I tried to play a tape that we recorded on on a typical 
set stereo and it was not having it which makes sense because it was basically a mixed tape it was it was in a format that was distinct to that mixer but that's where i wasn't right. sure even if you would have had them none of them were gonna play uh I wish, because I would totally uh, digitize them at work. Which, by the way, speaking of which, I am actually a former broadcaster. I currently still work uh, in media, where I teach at a Midwest university, uh, and I run the radio stations on campus. Uh, So that's sort of where this career path is taking me, all from Phil's bedroom in his apartment uh to this wonderful podcast uh man i've grown up so much over like the last 10 years that's true yeah we could talk about that could be its own separate podcast just recollections on things that uh nope that we uh that we left them behind in the 20s kind of Uh, stuff there yeah back when before social media was so huge that i'm so glad yeah uh we grew up in a really good time uh, i think and it feels pretty good. So what have you been up to since uh, those fateful 10 years or so when you were in school? Oh, uh, nothing, you know, not anything that I would be too braggy about. Um, you know, grew up, got married, uh, got a lovely wife living in a, in a house in Des Moines. That's about as straight and narrow as you could shoot. Um, you Not only do I, you know, I have a home, but I had to get one in Des Moines. But it's cool. Uh, Des Moines good. Um I work in uh, data and analytics. I didn't always. Um, I basically worked in call centers for about 10 years. Now I'm just on the other side of the call center. I'm the guy who feeds meat to the machine instead of being the one who got to it for all those years. So that's <laughs> that's conflicting. It's very existential. I have a very existential yeah. career now. Uh, also, um, words like yeah. that definitely go with your job, existential, I'm sure. That's right. You hear that a lot in data <laughs> analytics. It's really important to flag those uh, existential data. Yeah, but more importantly, we are retro game collectors, uh, of course. Right. Um, not like the people on YouTube who have these amazing oh. collections who, no. uh, like, Hell you know, no. Pat the NES Punk who has every game three times over mm-hmm. and then uh, four gold carts of the uh, uh, stadium events or, or, or whatever. Uh, Nintendo nah, World three, Championship. Three is not enough. Three is yeah. not enough. That fourth <laughs> one is when you can finally be like, whoa, I, I got here. I did it. Uh, but honestly, he doesn't have that many carts, but uh, he is a oh. very good collector. There's many really good collectors, and I love watching those videos on YouTube. Uh, but we have mo- a very beginner, just modest collections, um, and we've sort of, I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to phase mine down just a little bit. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. I think I've realized that there's no way I'm getting a total, complete NES set. Uh, no way. So just give me the games that I want to play, and I'll yeah, go from exactly. there. I think, and I'm the same way. Um, I don't think I ever entertained that I was. Is it 720? I feel like that's the number I knew for years for the NES collection. I'm sure it's it's higher than that, but I just knew that I had no interest. Because what is great, I'm I really enjoy the nostalgia that everybody has for um, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and I I, I share in it. I I love it. But at the same time, um, when you begin to collect the games you begin to realize that three quarters of games that were released on the NES are garbage. Like I feel like oh, for yeah, if there are 720 trash. games. Oh, there's so many of them are bad. Like not even some of them are just like, Oh, this was an, it was a nice attempt. It didn't age well, you know, but given for when it came out in its own context, it's great. There are other games like a few that even withstand a test of time that are absolutely great. But the other, Oh, 80% more maybe are, you know, super jeopardy. and you know, just other board games or just ridiculous stuff they tried to fit into a Nintendo game, and they're, they're not good. Movies, oh my god, all the adaptation ones are just horrible. 
And of course, uh, yeah, anything by LGN, right? And by LGN, <laughs> touch it to, like the opposite, whatever King Midas is. But if he, if it all turned to shit, the moment like, <laughs> LGN was like literally given the keys of the castle, and they're just like, yeah, we're gonna dump uh, every game, and it's gonna be oh, the worst exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some good video, uh, like some movie remakes, like Batman on NES is just. Oh, totally. Cool. You're right. You know what I mean? Like that's a, a very it's good a great point. game, but that's also like, that's a Sunsoft game. Uh, that's, not LGN, that's what it is, but yeah. uh... <laughs> that's true. Well, that, well, that's a really good point you bring up. Cause now I'm thinking about that. I know this is already on a different tangent, but I'm pretty sure that particular Batman title was some other game entirely, but and maybe I'm getting confused, but there was one game where Sunsoft didn't get the movie rights as it related to Superman. And they made a game that ended up being great, but it just didn't sell worth it. It didn't get the tie in that they could get. But anyway, that's a separate yeah. story for another time. Yeah, no, to, uh, totally. Um, but I mean, this is like, like I said, we, we love retro games. Uh, I, you know, I have just about every old school system. Uh, last Valentine's Day from uh, my girlfriend, Bay, uh, if you will, she bought me a Sega Genesis for Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, hey. That's what true love is all about, is your girlfriend feeding into your nerdy needs and then being terrible at Sonic the Hedgehog, which is really cute oh. in, in its own right, but... Anyway, that's good. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a Sega back when they first came out, but uh, I didn't do much. I didn't collect much for it. I found myself. I think I had a couple of the Sonic games, but uh, I don't know. I just didn't have the same library I built up when I ended up with Super Nintendo. I say so there were you were when we were growing up, you were either a Sega kid or a Super Nintendo kid. Oh, yeah. You had uh, to afford it to go both ways. No, really. God, oh, my God. I can't even imagine my dad or going to my dad and be like, yo, pops, uh, you want to hook me up with the Super Nintendo and the Sega? Because uh, obviously I have that much time on my hands that I need both. Yeah, exactly. There's no way. And yeah. And like you said, the, just the between the how much, because, you know, parents didn't like video. So it wasn't like this now where parents have a familiarity with it. It was really a lot of parents didn't even let the kids play them yet. Um, it was it was a nerdy thing for sure back then, and so you get so get some football games and stuff. And I think that's where maybe the Sega had all had offered that. But, yeah, uh, Sega yeah, was. I mean, it was they were full on sports mode. There's like four billion Sega sports titles. It's ridiculous. Okay. Which but is probably I why dad... I was a sports like video game nut for so long because mm-hmm. I was a Sega kid. Yep. Absolutely. And I just think you also really enjoyed sports too. Or oh, wait, are you actually thinking that like being a Sega kid got your head into sports the way it is? I mean, it's possible. I mean, Whoa, I don't know. I mean, I'd never, I guess I always put the cart or whatever the, yeah, it was head the other way around. But okay. So like the, the, the first, you were sports yeah, the first big sports game I ever played obviously was Tecmo Bowl. And then it just became like huge with Tecmo Super Bowl because oh it kept gosh. stats. And so that was huge for me. But, uh, we are definitely going to have a show based on sports games in the future. So we don't get into it too far, yeah. but uh, absolutely. So, you know, you were a super Nintendo kid. I take it. Oh, for sure. Um, I think it, well, a lot of it was my older brother. He, so I got a, a brother that's nine years older than I am. So he's born in 73. So he was an Atari kid. For sure. Hell, he was like an action figure kid. They even have um, games except for it was in the arcade. He was young. So, um, which actually, that's kind of funny that I think about it. I realized later, he always loved the NES Advantage controller, right. which I always hated. It's just that big arcade stick, but it's because that was his controller, like, when he was a kid. He didn't have a D-pad and buttons, and so, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, so I got hooked up with the uh, Nintendo, because that's what he got in high school, but he'd kind of grown out of it, and he was the same way with Super Nintendo. He got his, like, 21, and I just would get his hand-me-down consoles, you know, 
and kind of get used to what he was playing. Uh, see, that's the, I guess, better for being, well, you're the middle child, but I was the old right. kid, so I didn't get the hand-me-downs. Uh, and my no, dad, who's always been a gamer, uh, who I'd love to talk about my dad someday about gaming, because uh, you remember playing Tiger Woods with my pops. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and he was excellent at it. He yeah. had a he had a hell of a, like, I loved the, his approach to that game because he, correct me if I'm wrong, he had a hell of a way to hold that controller. It's in order to get that shot lined up the way it was going to work. And also right? a hell of a way to hold that cigarette in his mouth too, while he was yes. holding that oh, controller. Yes, so good. Oh my gosh, that is great, dude. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It makes so, me think of like that putt that everybody did for a while, where they would put their elbow and their hip into it. Like he just oh, had this controller yeah. on his hip, where he was like, "I can get the stability out of this." He would just, yeah, good times. Yeah, good. my dad is full on Xbox One guy, I and mean, he plays Destiny like it's nobody's business. Wow. Uh, so my dad is way better at first person shooters than I'll ever be, which I think is awesome. That's that's great. Uh, so we're still talking a little about the sort of like the retro idea here, but uh, so I guess the question is, is you know, I know we talked a little bit about you know sort of phasing out our collections. Are, are there still anything you're on look for? Do you still find yourself going to uh, specialty stores or retro game stores? Uh, or even flea markets to look for games. Are you still into that at all? So I was never, um, not really flea market. It's funny. Actually, one of the greatest games I have, I found at a flea market in Phoenix, but that was just because at the time, my now wife and I, we were just poor as hell and just lived. It was like, wow, we could get some Mexican groceries like real cheap <laughs> and just load up <laughs> at the flea market. But while I was there, you know, you would go through, these games that people pull out, but they were generally just, you know, I always found it to be like the bottom of the barrel. They were usually the games that had like four different last names carved on them. And, you know, they were just busted, chipped, sunburnt, sun faded. Yeah. Yeah. Just toast. All those days of being brought out in the sun and left there for three hours were putting back in a van. But, um, I found a gyromite card out there and that had like the, the five pin Famicom, uh, adapter inside. And so that's like the only flea market I've ever gone to. I know a lot of folks really, they, you know, they make a lot of their weekends about it. Um, and I never really did that. I, uh, I would pop into the store if it's at the mall. If I see a comic book shop's got a couple NES titles for sale, but a lot of them, thankfully in my NES library, I kind of, I collected it. My collection, at least in part, goes back to garage sales around the Super right. Nintendo era. Cause I was, I had a couple paper routes to get, and I was always just scamming, trying to get more cards collected. Um, but, yeah, I don't really find myself. I definitely don't look online for certain games and price them and watch them. I, I never really did that much to begin with, but I definitely haven't bought a new NES game. Oh man, I haven't thought about it like that. It's been a long time, like six months. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit for me. I've just been working on some other uh, some other stuff. I mean, I'm actually looking mm-hmm. to increase my Sega uh, collection a little bit, but I want all the games in box. I know that sounds uh, uh, pretentious, but ambitious good luck well but the sega is easier because they came with a case and the game fit in the case you know the nintendo stuff was always like cardboard and paper (laughs) so those boxes stomped on and dipped in mud ruined yeah (laughs) or thrown in the trash it's like i don't need this like super mario brothers 3 get it in my hand and get my nintendo let's party right uh oh man that's such a good point because they weren't even functional like the sega box is functional you just it has clips it fits the cartridge you slam it shut the Nintendo one, like, you lose the foam in the bottom. The manual never quite fit right. Yeah, they just made those to be garbage. <laughs> there was no reason yeah. to not throw them out. 
and I mean, when it came to like Nintendo collecting, I've never, I've n- never owned a box. I never really cared to, uh, mm-hmm. that just seemed like it was a little too over the top for me. But you know, when we started our, when we started doing this, uh, years ago, again, it was like, uh, people were throwing them away and it's like, dude, like I'll take that. Like I still play my Nintendo all the time. Uh, yeah. and you start collecting some of these like really good games, uh, that are now like 30, 40 bucks. Like Contra is like a $30 game. You know, and they made three billions of those games, but nobody wants to get rid of them. So the price right. of them is, is, is so high. And another thing that really hurts our collecting is the fact that people in our age, your mid thirties, we have money now or yep, maybe not money. money, but we have jobs. Right. So we, <laughs> we have a little more stability and we're able to go out and, and pay a little more for these things. And right. I think that's really uh, sort of pushed uh, this, the price is up. And what's also interesting is I read recently that Nintendo 64 is sort of the new jam because students, uh, like my students who are in their twenties or early twenties, that's their nostalgia and they have little money now, you know, so like they're just coming out, uh, getting jobs and their first paycheck is like, yeah, dude, I'll pay a hundred bucks for Conker's bad fur day. I mean, I really hope nobody's paying that much for it, but like, uh, but that's know, the kind of, it's sure as the consoles sort of progress, the a new generation comes through and buys all that stuff up. And I think that, you know, I don't know if there's a bubble for retro gaming. I mean, I'm, I'm sure at some point, uh, the Nintendo stuff, I think will go down in price. Um, hopefully, I mean, bubble bobble two will always probably be a crazy expensive game. Um, but, uh, certainly some more common titles I think would come down in price at some point. Here's what I would say about that. That actually, that's one of those things that I think is very interesting, but nobody, I don't think, probably wants to talk about it. As far as I know, what like I've looked that hard. For all I know, nine out of ten podcasts about retro games are about this very thing. But what I think is interesting is you're dead on on the driving cost, being that it's the age it hits. There's a zenith to it. There's a peak, and I think we're in it. And I, that's probably got a lot to do also why I. I backed out. I was kind of like, man, you know, I, got, I already have a really good collection. Like, I'm, I'm kind of over getting beat up in terms of money on these things. But um, beyond that, I think what is really interesting is now you used to do this, I think. I had some friends of mine. I never got into it, and I'm all the happier for it. You were in the baseball card collection. Yeah? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like, what are those worth? Uh, zero. I mean, it, it costs zero. more to set them on fire than to keep them. Exactly. And there's so many cards and even ones that have significant value. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's, you know, Thomas Wagner or however you pronounce his name, where the kind of cards you put in museums, fine. But there are rookie cards that people used to really covet and list for like hundreds of dollars that aren't worth anything. And I feel like eventually Nintendo games for the most part are going to get that way. Like they're going to be mass produced and they're going to be neat, but they're not. I mean, they're not going to be worth anything. A beat-up copy of some game probably won't be worth much more in an antique store than, like, a game of Sorry from, like, the 1970s that's in a pretty nice It's just this thing Grandma and Grandpa used to play. If I want to play it, I can pull up the version of it on my phone. You know, I don't know. I just think that it's not going to last forever. I think that it's going to tank for sure, and it's going to be baseball cards, basically. I think a lot of these are going to be baseball cards. People aren't even going to want to live in their houses with boxes of these things, nobody's going to care that much for one little piece of plastic like this to be in your life and it only give you about 15 minutes of joy. Um, I mean, not that I get that, but, you know, a lot of people don't. It's just I don't think they're going to age well. I don't think future generations will love them. 
yeah, well, yeah, with the NES collections, I think people are starting to realize, like, I, you know, what's it going to do? F- what, what's it benefit me to own uh, 800 carts, you know? Um, sure, it's great to, to be able to pull um, something totally obscure off your shelf and play it, but I look at the games that I have and I'm like... Mm, am I really going to play Trog? Is that really going to happen? Uh, no, because if I'm looking at a game, like, yep, Mega Man two again, let's do this, you know, like, um, but, but also let me ask you this question. Do you think that, um, these newer repros of the retro consoles, uh, do you think they'll sort of push out, uh, the normal carts? Uh, so like the SNS class classic, uh, do you think that this new wave, uh, uh, future gaming, um, helps drive down prices? I think it will. Um, I think it'll definitely help. I guess I can't speak to it, but I would hypothesize that it would drive down prices because it is, I feel like there is some segment of the population of people who would be potential purchasers of this retro tech you know whether it's going to be at a garage sale or if it was new in the box at walmart like there are certain people who would pay their money for it and i think there's probably a lot of people that are kind of on that border right where they would really like to play f-zero or they'd really like to play or whatever games are on the snes classic again they just kind of think man that'd be cool to have but when the snes classic mini comes out it's 80 dollars or 85 and you actually you know and they're keeping better stock of them yeah man like that might just suit your tastes like you may be cool there play it for a few months and then never have to go back to the super nintendo and even then who's to say nintendo even gives up i mean, i wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing volume twos um possibly because there is just so many other great games left in each console's library that they, they totally could but i do think yeah i think it's i think it's probably eaten into it um the people who are interested in these games so as a result i think uh well, actually, here's another leg on it. So when prices go down, in, uh, or at least there's less interest, there's less need, less demand for these things, do retro stores just stock them up? and just? I mean, I feel like a lot of retro stores that are still around today, they just have caverns behind the counter. Like, they'll sit on a cartridge that is now worth $400 with a $500 price tag for as long as they want, right? I don't know. Uh, you have more experience with purchasing. Have you seen stuff just gather dust for ages because you know on the shelf it's worth it's priced more than it's worth? Uh, not usually, because um, then I'll buy it. If it, I mean, well, not I mean, if it's way below market value, I'll buy it. But oh, I mean reverse. Uh, I'm talking reverse, like I don't really see that. So I have a couple of secret spots where I live, and they usually price stuff pretty well. Uh, there has been a time where I've gone into a retro store. And I've seen Mario Brothers three for thirty bucks, thirty dollars for Mario Brothers three. That's like the most mass-produced NES game, right? Like, I mean, right. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I think that's the most uh, developed game. Like, I think they they made more than that than ga- that game than any. That's a game. really great question. I think right. Uh, so to pay thirty bucks for that, somebody's willing to pay that. So obviously, like a place like GameStop, when they get back officially back on the retro stuff. You know, if they put a $30 price tag on it, they know somebody's going to pay for it because they've got the market research. Now, me personally, never pay that much because it that's way over market value for it. Um, yep. And I think what we what we see is, is so like a game like uh, let's say let's take Turtles in Time. Uh, so I was at uh, the store and a, a guy was looking at to score some Super Nintendo games. And there's um, Super Mario Brothers World for like. $25 again, overpriced. Uh, and Ninja Turtles, like Turtles in Time for like 50. 
And he just looks at the lady and says, yeah, I'll take him. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Whoa. <laughs> like, uh, do you want to look on eBay first? But see, that's the thing. I think a lot of these stores don't cater to me because they know I'm looking for a deal. They cater to the people who are just like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling nostalgic. I want to play Super Nintendo. I'm just going to go in and buy it because they have it. Yeah. So that's such a good point, though, because I think that also highlights in a lot of ways in this conversation, the difference, I think, between you and I as collectors. Like, I remember when you came out uh, for a visit and I handed you that shopping bag full of the games I didn't want anymore. Because, again, these are the Super Jeopardies, um, you know, just games I might have already had doubles of, but also games that I was just like, these aren't even fun to play. Like, I don't care. Like, there's not worth, you know, anything for me to keep them. And you felt bad because you were just like, no, I can't. Because you knew you could flip them into something. And you were like, just if you need help selling them, let me know. And I said, oh, yeah, I will. Uh, those things are still in a shopping bag, tied shut. They are just garbage in my house. I still haven't done anything with them, and it's always because I've not, I guess, had as uh, as much experience with the wheeling and dealing, like of knowing the value. Like I would be in some ways if I had thirty bucks in my pocket, I could see myself walking up, being like, "Oh, Mario three, huh? Man, I really want it. Okay, thirty bones." Right. <laughs> so it down. And, and again, uh, that's what those stores exist for. Is 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 for people like that like my brother right who has some retro stuff but also has the yeah i would i want to play mario party tonight oh 40 bucks cool i don't have to wait two days to get it off of ebay i'll grab it right now yep exactly totally yeah so it's it's definitely a different game uh it's a game i'm i i i don't play as much as i used to um also you know owning a house with my girlfriend i don't get choices on how crappy my little man cave looks so (laughs) i have to pare it down just a little bit that's too bad so the man cave is in name only is what you're what you're saying well yeah it's essentially a second living room and she calls it the man room uh where i have Mm -hmm. a couch and my tv it literally looks like the living room of my old apartment when i was a bachelor oh that's great yeah it really is which which apartment uh not as bad as when we lived above the bar obviously but you know oh, like yeah. my apartment when i grew up um actually no the place that uh in bloomington uh you used the place to, i lived with uh, yeah. parker for a while yeah uh, so gotcha. you know like the old dvd shelves with just like you know nes titles in there uh looking real yeah, looking real stylish in that in that you know compressed wood. wait a minute so wait a minute you you found a dvd rack that works for your nintendo cartridges Oh yeah, dude. Just as like a, oh. a a DVD, just like a like a bookshelf, but with like it works just instead. It's a DVD one. Why didn't I know that would work? I, I'm the guy walking around with like old boxes of like reams of paper, like boxes that used to package reams reams of paper in, just with these cartridges stacked up neatly. I'd love to have them out where I could get at them because it's such a pain in the butt to get these things running. Yeah. And, and I know you have a separate office, you know, that could be something that you like push off to the side, you know, you can do, those are like a dime oh, a dozen, no. man. I mean, you can buy those at Walmart, uh, yeah, for relatively cheap. Right like I think I bought mine for like 20 yeah. bucks and it held like no, 150 just, of my games. Know. Yeah. What are so, you at? I don't even, what, are, what, how many do you have now for Nintendo? Cause you, you collect for both it and super Nintendo, right? Or are you just on one? Uh, I mainly collect NES, uh, and yeah. last I, I mean, I was around 175, 200 ish, but, uh, again, I've also like essentially put a lot of those in a tub that are being ready to be sold on eBay. Exactly. Yeah. Same. 
Um, but I'm definitely keeping the ones I love, obviously. You know, I'm, there's yeah. games I'll never, ever, ever get rid of and games that were gifts and stuff like that that I'll never get rid of. Um, but, you know, cutting that in half uh, won't be that much of an issue uh, to me. But I also have, like, so the other consoles I have, like a Super Nintendo, are just the games that I love to play. Um, right. Because, I, I, again, growing up, I was a Sega kid, so I never had Super Nintendo. But, you know, I've played the classics. I've played Zelda. I've Mario, uh, F-Zero, um, but I'm also, you know, getting to enjoy some new games, uh, which we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, like uh, Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, and Chrono Trigger, I mean, which a game that I've played previously that I'd love to get back into. Um, but those are games, you know, Chrono Trigger I actually used to own, but I sold it on eBay one time to help fund a trip to Vegas, um, which I'm kind of sad at. But uh, Oh, are you? Like, did you take a serious loss on it? No, no, I actually made a ton of money on it. Well, what are you sad about? Because you just don't have it Because I don't anymore? own the cart anymore, and if I want to buy it again, I'm going to pay like 75 bucks for it. Yep. How much? As long as you're only sad for $75 worth of sad. <laughs> don't Can you be, really not, put a price sad. on sad? Uh. <laughs> 75 bucks? That's how much it costs to be sad. Uh, but you know, I still have like a PlayStation. I've got a Dreamcast and I, I only have a Dreamcast so I can play Tony Hawk two on it. You know what I mean? And, uh, 64 dream, uh, the Nintendo, uh, GameCube. Uh, I don't have an original Xbox. I think the original Xbox is trash. Uh, and I hated that console and hated the controller that went with it. Um, but I love my, uh, I love 360 and Xbox one. Um, but I was always a PlayStation kid up until the Xbox 360 slash Xbox One. So you being a PlayStation kid, I was too, but I know what took me to PlayStation. I followed Squaresoft. Like it was by the time Final Fantasy VII was in the works and they had confirmed, like my, I was at a fever pitch for those guys. I was convinced they were the Beatles for video games. At that point I had played like Final Fantasy on the Nintendo and I loved it. And then I played uh, two US, uh, three US, which is six. So when I found out, I assumed they were going to follow Nintendo. So I already had a 64 at this point, but I had to save up extra money when I found out they jumped ship to PlayStation. And I got one as soon as I could. Um, did you end up on PlayStation? Because you weren't really in RPG at that point. So I imagine, was it, was there, were there great sports titles on PlayStation that took you to them first? Oh yeah. Um, so then I remember the very first game that I saw being played on PlayStation was a game called Ridge racer. And I'd never been big into racing games other than RC pro-am. Uh, and so playing Ridge racer on PlayStation was like, Oh my God, games look like this at home, you know? Uh, and then of course, like moving into Madden, uh, was just like, that was it for me. Like CD games were where it was at. Uh, I can never look back. Madden on uh, Sega Genesis, well, it's trash. Um, however, Madden on PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, uh, it always just had me hooked. And so that was sort of a, a big win for me was uh, getting more out of my sports games than ever before. Yeah, that's such a really good... I had never considered that really because I wasn't much into um, sports styles, even on the Super Nintendo. So uh, as far as moving on to the PlayStation after that console, right? Never mind. I forgot. It did kind of come along with the 64, but yeah, the 64, they tried. I, I remember having some friends who really enjoyed it. There was an NHL game for it, but I don't know that I saw a lot of people like uh, playing more realistic simulations of a sport. Like you'd have, they were, that was more for like quarterback club, which I don't even know if that was a real actual regulation football game. I know that NFL blitz certainly wasn't, 
No, but uh, also the wrestling like games were really good on 64. So like your WCW yeah, versus NWO, sure. like those were fun. Hardly a sport. Uh, let's be real. Yes. <laughs> Careful it's, now. It's like theater. Theater. Game. Yeah. Well, heavy, high impact theater. I'm not a wrestling fan anymore, but I also will fully Oh, did you get down with wrestling when you were a kid? Oh, dude. Did I was you... huge in the wrestling when I was a kid. I didn't know that. That's amazing. I just, I, see, that's the thing. That's what's so interesting when you get to have a friendship where you know a person so well you've been friends for almost 20 years but if you only meet at 17 you kind of fill in what you think they were like as a kid and for whatever reason <laughs> i don't know why i didn't imagine you being a wrestling head but i'm of course you were like a duh that's great so yeah who was your give me the quick overview what was your favorite wrestlers or did you stick with one forever oh no dude so i mean it changed through time obviously uh but like when i was a kid it was i was a hulk hogan ultimate warrior randy savage kid like till the day i died uh, i was like all about the good guys uh and then i i quit watching for a long time then hit like a new renaissance when i was uh like in eighth grade and uh, freshman in high school when the nwo came out on wcw uh and then i was everything nwo like you couldn't stop me from watching a pay-per-view. You couldn't stop me from like the Saturday night wrestling shows that they had. Uh, and that was no all kidding. I sort of left that behind when I moved uh, to your wonderful town. That is so great. Cause, Cause again, I had to look I cool, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't know if kids were as cool. <laughs> yeah, as me. It wasn't popular. It might, was it popular in LP? Oh like, yeah. With dude. People in high school. Yeah. yeah I mean, with really me and my, crazy. with me and my crew, it was, Oh man. So yeah, that was so weird about, you know, the high school that you moved to at mine that we, we graduated from because you'll probably remember i don't think it was very popular in my high school like the one well, also the you didn't wrestling have wrestling fan, like you guys didn't actually have no, the we sport didn't. of wrestling yeah that's true we didn't have it so i don't know but if yeah i don't played into it or not it must have i think it's, that was a big growing pain we had at that school because we were all such small little towns getting together you came from a you came from a big city you guys had like a <laughs> All kinds of amenities. We had them all. Just didn't have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a mall and a McDonald's. That's great. We had to drive. It's amazing what seat. you know. Twenty minutes or twenty-five minutes of driving will change. You know what I mean? It's. Oh, I remember back when that was how small the world was too. Because I was like, that's a really far drive, forty-five minutes. Now it's yeah. like, oh, going to see Rich. It's going to take about eight hours to get there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny how that works out, right? Right. Um. So uh. We talked a little bit about our collection. Is there anything that you're currently like, you have any projects going on? Are you involved in any games, any sort of creations? Um, no. You, know, you have no projects going on whatsoever. You're not playing well, any games. Well, my projects. Right oh, no, I'm definitely playing. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. As far as like collecting anything, like, no. Um, and there's actually a game I was playing for a little bit. I just beat last night, uh, which is really good. It was. I don't know if you remember this. It was a cartoon. It was on Fox back in probably mid nineties. It was called Samurai Pizza Cats. Does that ring any kind of bell? No, but my brother would totally know that he was into all those Fox Saturday morning cartoons. He definitely would know about it. So I, I think I was probably getting a little too old to be watching Fox cartoons after school. I bet this would probably been almost freshman year of high school. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, just some funny smart ass show uh, where these cats and mechs and all that that are also pizza delivery cats go and stop crime. But a lot of it's very tongue in cheek. Got to get some humor. So yeah. I didn't know that was a legit Japanese game. And so they had, uh, what's really been kind of great in the years. One of my favorite things about retro gaming now is a lot of folks have gone out and translated some otherwise really great games that just never made it. Right. To 
And so this was one where I had I'd played the Japanese version of it just for a little bit because I heard it's good platformer, and it was, but you know it didn't grab. But then I uh, suddenly just thought of it again. I looked up, and sure enough, they had a a completed English patch, and I applied it to it. And I yeah, I played that. Uh, it was a really easy game. It was probably too easy. It was really uh, I think pretty simple platformer. I beat it in probably two hours, but. Uh, yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It was pretty funny and really good for a platformer. It's just really short. I, but what uh, what consoles no. is on? Oh, sorry, this is on Famicom slash NES. Okay, and but what was the name the of translated that? Translated one to better. Samurai Pizza Cats. I, the it's Samurai like Pizza Cats. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the Jap. I I can remember half the Japanese name, but I won't butcher it. But yeah, Samurai Pizza Cats. So check it out. It's it's really. Um, it's pretty fun. It's a surprisingly good little platformer that I, in playing it, it was like, man, this would have been a great game to have had in the West. I, I think it would have checked off a lot of boxes for those types of games that you look back favorably upon that were platformers. I think it would have been a success here. Yeah. Uh, was that one in the Big 20? Was that game in the Big 20 when they were doing the uh, the Famicom oh, ports? You know what? It, I'm so curious to have to check, but okay. I don't. I don't know. Because well I mean be. that I mean we were trying to we were talking about doing it, but then we were not very familiar with some of the games. You obviously more than me. Uh, you are definitely more into the Famicom side than than I am. But, uh, but that game sounds kind of fun. I have to check that out. Uh, me personally, still working on a Final Fantasy three slash six, however you want to uh, to to say it. Um, Final Fantasy three here, Final Fantasy six in Japan. We're really good, dude. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, not as much as I enjoyed Final Fantasy VII, obviously, uh, but it's still really good. And I'm just about halfway through the game, I think. And I'm, and what's great about it is I'm playing it on my SNES Classic, and I picked up a Retro Duo um, controller that's wireless, so I can play it while I walk on the treadmill. So I get my fitness and my gaming in at the same time, and my girlfriend cannot complain. There you go. That's awesome. No, I I absolutely love uh, Final Fantasy III. That was. That's probably I was actually thinking about this not that long ago. That might be my all time like favorite video game. It's tough to say. Like wow. as far as being sent to like yeah, I, I was actually giving a lot of thought. As far as being that whole desert island metaphor, whatever, um, you can only take one game, I feel like that might be what I would take. So I got that game for Christmas. What year did that come out? Did it say on there like maybe ninety five? It's like ninety ninety four, ninety five, something like that. And obviously 95. a late release. Yeah, yep. It was a little later because um, obviously two had come out already, and five silently um, came out in Japan. But uh, I was also I had all the magazines as a kid, so I mm -hmm. had uh, Nintendo Power, and they had been teasing this thing out for a while. Um, they would put in like multiple the game would hardly even out, and they're putting in like maps, and I'd rent it like every week, but it was really in demand, so I couldn't get it all the time. But that was one of the like one of those Christmases where I had a list of like one thing. <laughs> just like i just need this one thing parents like help me out and they got it for me and uh my the tradition of my household was you could open up one present before you went to bed on yeah. christmas eve yeah we had the same and, tradition oh awesome yep and i so I, I think i've already told you my parents are not now they'd realize how terrible some was but um I, what i would do is i would take a razor blade from the uh, bathroom and i would cut the tape and unfold the packages so i could see which was which so that way when it came around to like Nightmare uh, the night before Christmas, I knew which one I was grabbing, and I was so thrilled to find out that I had Final Fantasy three under the tree, and I played that all night. 
Like I, I until the sun came up. I, I got as far as that level with the raft. You know what I mean? Like where they all split off into three parties yeah. trying to get back to the yep, marsh. I remember that. Yep. I got that. I got that far without shutting it off. And that's so, dude. It, no, dude, dude. Dude, that's it was, too much. Well, I was for eight hours straight. It, and I missed, so, I missed that I, stamina. You know what I mean? Like having that video oh, game totally. stamina. Never getting that back. And yeah, <laughs> and as a result, I was uh, just thinking about how that was like my greatest Christmas present of all time when I when I was signing up for the Reddit Secret Santa thing and it mm-hmm. asked what your favorite present was. And I was like, pretty sure that was it. And uh, then I played it again when I got the, the SNES Mini and I was just like, nah, this is one of the best games. I think, yeah, it, it, that would be the one I would take to Desert Island. I love the music in it. I love the story in it. Side quests are sharp. There's yeah. a lot of like really deep holes of side quests you can fall into, like the Coliseum and like mm-hmm. the the rages. Don't spoil it for me. Collect. Don't spoil it. No, I'm me. not. I'm not. These are just things you'll never do, but they're there if you really wanted to mess. Like just get into the game. Like you could easily clock over 100 hours on this thing. And it was just, it was amazing because that's like a watershed moment for at least in my experience with Western RPGs that played well and weren't just a chore to learn. That right. was like a new thing. Like that set a new standard in terms of, you know, Final Fantasy two uh, didn't let you get around like that. You didn't get to roam the world really. It was all No, much it was it was it was actually quite linear, which is weird. Yeah. And Final Fantasy Six it had like six was it fourteen characters? Yeah, fourteen total characters in your party. No one they've never gone beyond that. It was just the most customizable Oh, and like the magic system, it was really a lot at once, but they did it in a way that was really refined. They didn't have to get a lot wrong on the first try. And uh, yeah, I just still, that game stands this test of time that few others have, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm, it's one of the few games where, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, looking up the game facts on certain games where I'm getting stuck uh, and looking for a way to, you know, progress in a game but this is one of those games where i'm just actually enjoying getting lost and even though it's i mean it's hard to like get lost in that game because it still kind of points you in the right direction but uh at the same time i'm just like i'm just enjoying just like every battle uh and picking up new characters and learning the new skills and, and understanding how the skill system works and and the story though man it's so good so good so good so yeah you've already made it to the you have the world of balance starts out and you've made it to the world of ruin then at this point. Yeah. I'm at the world of ruin right now. I'm a couple characters in, I picked up, uh, Edgar and, uh, oh, his brother. I, I can't remember what his name, uh, is in the actual uh, game, but I named, I named him Reed. Uh, so cause That's he's like got the, the best blitz possible name you could have given to him for sure. <laughs> when I saw him, I was like, this is Reed for sure. Yep. Definitely just throwing punches and well, not the Reed throws punches, but you know, he's, he's a tough dude. <laughs> that's, his, that's his primary his primary thing is the big guy reed is the big guy they're uh apt yeah um so you've that game steps it up a notch in difficulty like yeah you really can't hurt yourself that bad in the world of balance you know like you could probably step off the beaten path and get your hands slapped a little bit by the game you're like whoa sorry i guess i'm not supposed to be in here yet you go to the world of ruin and you just are dead there's so many places that would just swallow you in one bite. Yeah. It is such a weird uptick in difficulty, but it's, it's a really cool part of the game. It's kind of, it's meant to make you feel beat up. <laughs> it's really, yeah. The, and the only thing I could think of in comparison uh, to the world of balance is when you go to Zozo for the first time where the difficulty just sure. like, it just jumps uh, incredibly. And I'm like, I'm out of potion. What do I do? <laughs> no, you're, I remember that too. Getting through it the first time is like, when I was younger, you're right. 
Zozo was one of those that annoyed me because I think you don't even have to grind in that game. You can just mm-hmm. walk from point A to point B, hit your encounters on the way, and you'll get to Zozo without having to worry about it. And then you get there, and yeah, you start getting clobbered, and you have to go grind for a little while to toughen up. Right. Uh, well, um, some of the things I have maybe working on, uh, in the future, I'm hoping, hoping secretly that, uh, girlfriend comes through with a retro pie or a raspberry pie three for Valentine's day. That's sort there you of, go. it's kind of something I want to get my hands on and just you know what? Play how much, how much does that run? Dude, it's like on Amazon, it's like 37 bucks for the, oh geez. for the, uh, motherboard. Uh, and then it's like another, you you need the mini SD card, which you might already have. You need the power supply, which is another ten bucks. Uh, case for it, which is a few bucks. You're looking at like sixty, sixty five out the door uh, for okay. things you have to have for it. Um, which isn't like that much money, but also like you stare at other things and it's like, yeah, I could do that, or I could buy three meals from McDonald's or something. You know, I don't. I don't oh know. yeah. Well, so as I get older, this. as I get older, it's a little harder to pull the trigger on some of these things. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, I can put this on the credit card. And then you realize, it's like, crap, that's really high APR. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But let me ask you this, though. Did you hear about the analog ST that came out? No. Tell oh, me. Tell I, me more. I thought for sure you had. So you, you're familiar with my retro AVS. AVS, retro right. AVS, mm-hmm. For those who wouldn't know, is a... Uh, these FPGA floating point gate array processor chips that are out there now, you're seeing a lot of these consoles come out that are new, uh, newly manufactured, but that are really playing the carts. This is as opposed to these like Retron Five, some of those that the read off the ROM Hyperkin stuff, right? Where they're really kind of dumping the ROM image and then processing internally. It's an emulator, which is cool. I, I'm perfectly on board with, but there's also a part of me, I like it if the game's not in right for it to for me to have to wiggle it to get it right. I don't know. There's just something kind of cool about right. the, the the hardware part of it. So anyway, um, yeah, taking a look at the uh, the new console that's out, it's really kind of an equivalent, but for Super Nintendo, it is the Analog ST. You might remember they had those uh, really high-dollar NES that came out. They were like in an aluminum shell for like $500. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. any of that? Yeah, so same company, they came out with, the analog ST, it's the Super Nintendo equivalent. It's only like 189, but it is native output to HDMI for Super Nintendo and Super Famicom games. And so, and it's also got like zero lag. And it's really just basically the same thing I have for Nintendo. This is the equivalent for Super Nintendo and the price range similar. I think my, is it made my by ABS Retro? Who's like, it made by? Not Retro, not Retro USB, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the same nope, company? Not by Retro USB. It's the, these are those folks, the analog folks whoever they are the guys who did the uh i don't know what the original console was called but they're they're analog nes this is their super nintendo analog equivalent so now you can get your hdm the hdmi snes yeah yeah God, and also so just tempting and natively so good i know that's really good and because the input lag on that is like port? it doesn't exist right i mean i mean there is zero. a little lag but zero there's no lag not that i can find i mean if you're going wireless controllers you start doing stuff with it where you make it more convenient you're gonna you're gonna bump up against a few things, but with the AVS, I my understanding is from the people who check for lag is that it has the same amount of lag as an original NES, which is to say it has none. Like it pro it's it, it's you know one to one for that. I I have all the confidence that the analog folks 
would have had a similar achievement with the uh, the Super Nintendo equivalent. At least I would imagine. Uh, some of the articles I read on it, they were all pretty much uh, pretty excited about it, and they weren't they they weren't sparing in how much uh, praise they kind of heaped on it in terms of just being a really great option. I'll have to check out some reviews on that. Um, again, something I'd love to get my hands on at some point because I, you know the the stuff with the Retron there is emulated still. I mean, you could it's the same as if you were to hook your computer up to the TV essentially. Agreed. Um, which yeah, isn't totally. bad. I mean, I, let's, I'm not going to lie. I emulate like a mofo sometimes, but like mm-hmm. there are still the times where I, I feel like I want to feel like I'm playing a console. Like when I play the SNS mini, I feel like I'm actually playing it on console, even though it's essentially emulated, but just the feel of it for me feels like I'm playing on a, on a console. Oh, wait till you get to what I would. Yeah. I think you're still one step removed. It, it really is kind of cool. Um, when you can just pop the cards in and out. Like the Super Nintendo one, uh, that'll be neat to have. Do you, I don't know how many games do you have for it? Super Nintendo, like actual mm-hmm. carts. Yep. Um, I probably around twenty. Not a whole lot. Uh, and what's funny is half That's of those awesome. belong to my I bet girlfriend. The twenty you have are so good, though. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, not. I wouldn't say so good. Some of the games uh, belong to my girlfriend, like Super Black Bass. Uh, oh, I'm playing that right now. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, we own it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh a great game it, it, it is it's so much fun uh toy story that, uh it's a fun yeah, game that she has that um, that pretty good i guess i imagine it wasn't yeah as long as you put the uh invincibility code on you're all good you just let it oh, rip that's never a good sign <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough ask this is a really good game if you can't die in it oh yeah right. it's a fu- it's a fun game but also i like sometimes just putting on the invisibility code and just ripping through it it's just the oh. way i am does she like the toy story game yeah yeah i mean she essentially taught me how to play it okay like, you gotta do so, this this and this because I never, I never played it when i when it was out i just I, see the reason i ask is my wife she loves a game that is i would say objectively one of the worst games that is out for the super nintendo it may be the worst game well i know it's not the worst game but it's like it's gotta be close it's super troll islands have you heard of this what it's called Super Troll Islands, like the little troll a dolls. Game. Not a real game. Oh, it's going to scare that. I would recommend you scare yourself. Wait, like, is it troll dolls? It. Yeah. It's horrible. Okay. It's the most horrible Super Nintendo game, and she loves it. She'll play it. There was one time where she played it for like over an hour. I couldn't believe it. And <laughs> I'm not the I couldn't do it justice. Oh, you have to. And it's really bad. Um, there's a Basically, if I give you the plot of the game or the point, um, you start off in this house with uh, a bunch of other little troll dolls, and you can switch between them. And they're kind of, it's almost like Mario 2 for Nintendo, where uh, one jumps higher, one runs faster, that type of stuff. But you go into the game, and you just uh, the whole world's been covered in like some sort of nightmare goo or gray stuff. You got to basically touch all the different lands. Uh, you remember that game? Oh no, it's uh, for NES where you drive a little car. City Connection. You yeah, remember City yeah, Connection? Yeah, this is definitely. like City Connection. You got to go touch all the surfaces and flip them. But the way this works is you can throw little custard pies at the enemies. Dude, this is not a real game. It's a real game. You can throw little custard pies at the enemies, right? And after you throw enough of them, uh, they are trapped in custard, and they just turn into like a set of eyeballs in this like moving custard, and it makes a fart noise when you do this. Of course it does, because this course is not a real game. And then if you run into it when it's like that, um, your little troll guy goes, I think he goes, yum. Like it looks like a little happy cheer. Michael. Or something else, basically. Oh, exactly. If you get a bunch of items, he goes, wow. 
he lets out like these the most horrific noises that are in a game, and my wife will sit and play this thing. It's yeah, look it up. I highly encourage you, YouTube, Super Troll Islands. Um, there the the text on it moves at all times, so it's even like hard to read. It's like just poorly designed from top to bottom, and but it's also the stuff of just straight fever dream nightmares. Oh, of it'll, course it is. I'm gonna YouTube the f out of you. it, and I can't wait. I would. I'm going to spend my day at work tomorrow instead of grading. I'm going to look up Super Troll Island or whatever he's just told me about. I'm not trying to compare this to Two Rolls One Cut, but if you can make it into like three <laughs> minutes of that video, watching this game get played without being like, nope, I think I get it, click and be done, I yeah. would be shocked. Is it That'd more Two Girls One Cup or is it more Goatsy Girl? I mean, where are we at with this? <laughs> I haven't seen the other one. I'm afraid. I feel like that's about as close as I'll ever get. Please don't. The, the two girls, one cup. Uh, if you were and, twenty, yeah. if we were still twenty-two, I'd be like, "Yeah, dude, totally check it out." Uh, no, don't. Yep. Oh, Please do not I'm, look I'm that already, up. You will I'm, no yeah, longer have already, a girl or a no. wife for sure. And yeah, I love your and I love your wife dearly, and I would rather you not lose her. What a what a fun thing to get divorced over. Leave that up <laughs> on your browser on accident. Well, dude, believe it or not, we're pushing about an hour uh, already of yeah. this very first episode. So this is going to be what the Complete Inbox podcast is going to be all about. We're going to have more of these uh, conversations. Uh, in the future, we've got some uh, cool topics we're hoping to talk about. Uh, video game box art, which is something you brought to my attention, which I think I would love to hit. Talk about 25 yeah. minutes about the Mega Man 1 box art, which is <laughs> the dopest box art in the land. You know, we talk yep. about like game music and sports games, tournament fighters, RPGs, platformers, uh, adventure games, uh, whatever. And of course, we'll have some news and stuff like that. We, we really didn't hit news too much, but uh, it's really hope my hope that we can spend an entire day talking about Todd Rogers and Steve Weeb and uh, uh, my boy, uh, Walter Day, who I have. Maybe I should call him someday. We'll ask him to join the oh po podcast. God. I forgot you got his phone number. Totally Holy got smoke. his phone number. I have Walter Day's phone number. You have Walter Day's phone number. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing. No, you're right. I'm really sorry. That was actually something I really wanted to cover. Um, was just the sadness that is Todd Rogers. Well, let's end it. That's let's just great. go ahead. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about I it. I think now. so. We can. We'll find something else to throw out if you gotta get it under an hour. All right, yeah. Todd Rogers. This shit is so amazing. I wonder why it finally got traction. Is my thing. Like this is this was something everybody knew, but. I don't know. You just kind of, it was like lore. It was like, it was from a mythological age. It was kind of like, you know, nobody thinks King Arthur is real. So no one's like keeping track of his score <laughs> for like, for pulling a sword out of the stone. It's just part of, you just accept it happened or whatever, but you know, you don't take it historically significant. Right. I didn't know that people were historically taking dragster very seriously. I didn't think it was an important game in any way, shape or form, except that Todd Rogers had the title for it. And we knew it was broke. We knew that, his was a lie. Right. Well, it's um, Todd Rogers and like these six other people that try to speed run it and TAS and the TAS uh, game, oh, right? Geez. Yeah. That's Which is why I got busted because the TAS uh, was like, couldn't even beat him. Like it was no. mathematically impossible for him. It was mathematically score. impossible. It was, it was com computationally impossible to get, make that game give the output in the form of a score that he claimed it did. And I think that was not something that was that unknown. I think uh, it hadn't been done beyond the shadow of a doubt, but it came down to the point where, you know, we talk about what frame perfect is yeah. when it comes to speed running in that. Well, frame perfect, if you get the frame, you get the frame. Like there's not like somebody else there who's more frame perfect than this guy's frame perfect. If you get frame perfect, I don't know how more, you know, and for dragster, you got to get one frame. I mean, right. you got to I mean, get more than one pixel. There's one pixel. Yeah. You got to hit it. That's it. 
Yeah, like it's it doesn't take an hour of precise input to maximize that game. And so the idea that a lot of people had tried and they couldn't get his score, no one was even tying it, after that long, it's like, well, then that can't be true. <laughs> it just couldn't be. And so, and he also had that shit with, uh, was it Centipede that gets left in the dust? He originally had registered a high score in Centipede in like the millions, and then second place was like 74,000 because the, the game doesn't even keep scoring away that millions would make sense. Like his right. scores just stink. So anyway, I think what we run into here is a lot of these like arcade gamers, right? So you think you take anybody from the movie chasing ghosts, you take anybody from the movie, uh, King of Kong fistful of quarters, right? And what do they have? They have that their one arcade game, right? Or a couple or, or whatever. And there's just like this old garden. I think they're afraid to let go. And because if they don't have that, what do they have? Right. No Maybe, question. Okay. Billy Mitchell. Right. Billy Mitchell's just a, a man amongst men. It's uh, he's. I the don't guy. know. I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure he's actually a god. But continue. I take your point. <laughs> but I like, you can't rephrase the score. You, you actually seen his, you know whatever. But like, so you think about Steve Sanders, right? The guy who uh, uh, yeah, at dude. one point said like three million in dollars. Guy wears Kong. a polo. Right. Right. He's he's a lawyer now, and uh, yeah, it looks like he, he fits his it, like his life. I was like, yeah, that's what you should look like. Yeah. Like he was perfect. Yeah, and and so you you realize that all these people are lying about these scores, mm-hmm. and and then you look at like so like a guy like Leo Daniels in 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 the movie Chasing Ghosts, right? And he's just like living in this weird bachelor pad. Again, this is what like ten years ago. This movie's super old, but yeah. Uh, and you realize like, man, that dude probably cheats a lot in life, and but if he didn't he'd be a really sad dude. So uh, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I'm kind of like, you know, let him have it. Let Steve Sanders have his Donkey Kong or his Joust or whatever. Let uh, Todd Rogers ha- have Dragster and, and Barnstorm or whatever game he's playing. And uh, let uh, Mr. Awesome keep his missile command score because really like if I'm going to, I don't want to fight you that hard when I feel like I have much more going on, but I don't know. See, for me, I don't know. It's one of those situations where like I I definitely wasn't like thinking, man, when is somebody going to take this piece of shit down, you know? Like when is somebody going to get this guy? Like I didn't care that much. But um that said, when I found out people were paying attention, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like fuck this dude up. <laughs> like get his scores <laughs> out of here. Like they're garbage. And uh so basically my biggest thing with that dude is <sighs> it was beyond being confronted with it. It wasn't like somebody came up he and he like ignored it or tried to play it down. Like he actively was just like, well, those guys are dumb fucks. Like they don't know. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're just haters. They can't get it. And he famously said it, what they're not taking into account, the human element. Did you hear about that part? Yeah. That's like, the, that's a meme in and of itself. And I just remember, I don't know uh, the dude don't cheat to win first off. And second off, Oh man, like I just think the guy is he's just greasy and he he always has been and he's got his like Hawaiian sh- button-up shirts and his hair and don't forget those spiders. Oh, and spiders. <laughs> yeah, man. Like the that dude, dude is a just, walkie, he's a cartoon. You're right. He's an absolute cartoon. He's a, he's a fucking cartoon. Um but also to the point where you were talking about these old timers like the old guard. What's also really interesting is that Back then, especially, no one gave a fuck. Like, no one gave. And that's why, he, you know, when we think about, like, well, that's kind of weird. They're even able to thrive at that or something. 
like no nah, there were just nobody else wanted even in it like and i think that's where a lot of the scores had kind of faded um as people's really kind of stuck with it and they really got more competitive i think it's gotten wider it's gone wider the idea of competitive gaming like it was just kind of a, a novelty then but yeah this dude because it was no one cared even back then even for this guy to cheat the way he did no one cared so yeah. but i am curious i'm interested in the culpability um of the old guard uh because within that old guard there are still people as we've seen in these documentaries that are active within at least to my understanding they're active within the twin galaxies organization um like that dude who has all those uh dirty paintings from like frank franzetta or whatever <laughs> this is christopher lambert Oh my gosh! Just riding like a unicorn oh, with boobs, man. Just, like nine swords in the air, and th- three of them were struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah, like it was. I love that shit. So yeah, I, 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 you just wonder like, I don't even know what they were doing. Oh, never mind. So the whole thing with Dragster, though, right? It came from a photograph that he had sent to, uh, the manufacturer. Yeah, the Polaroid of the game. Activision, Polaroid. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and he sent to Activision, but you know, none of that shit exists. And if it did. An old boy found a way to trick his monitor, you know. So I don't know. Good riddance, people who cheat. I think what he should have done, he could have, he had to know like the floor was being pulled out from under him, and rather than end it on his own terms and be like, "Yeah, I lied," like he, the fact that he just continued to can try to convince the world that he was telling the truth, then it was like, "Dude, that's just pathetic." Like, just own that you fucked up. Yeah, but again, it's it. I mean, I don't like cheaters, but I kind of feel bad for the guy. Kind of do, just a little. Uh, just, just a little, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, well, the fact just, that he's you're been not kicking into account the human element. So you're just going <laughs> to consider that. Be better. That's your problem. I just think it's no, hilarious. He's, who gets kicked off of Twin Galaxies for the rest of their lives? You know what I mean? Like thirty like, years after it, or whatever, uh, it's more than that. Well, also the thing is, they're owned by somebody totally different now. Like Walter Day has yeah. nothing to do with Twin Galaxies anymore, so it's a little different well, now. Yeah, I'm not trying to stay for good reason, but is he still collecting newspapers? <laughs> is he still? You know what I mean? Like, I feel bad. Like, am I getting our show already in trouble? But talking just shit about everybody. That's Precious like cargo, like ever. Walter Day. Yeah, just like yeah, exactly. Like, dude guy's just heretic like just making fun of walter day yeah like no i it's probably good i don't know when i think he's walter in on the day. joke though i think he's in on the joke oh i love walter day i'm just saying the dude probably shouldn't run an organization that is large as a, a company that bills itself as the guinness book the world the record keepers of competitive video gaming right that might be out of this dude's well, scope of skills also they're going to phase themselves out because i think there's there's still an issue with uh, them accepting like console scores uh, and stuff like that. So a lot of these like retro, like these Nintendo, Super Nintendo speedruns are all like self-policed. Um, oh yeah. On like speedrun.com. So it, because I was they just going to say it. There's something with speed, like I said, the speed demos archives, other folks are, I know where I don't know much about it. Oh, God, all those kids who did the SDA, like the speed demos archive, those guys are like insanely good and make mm-hmm. an insane amount of money. Some of them anyway. Um, but they're record keeping just internally. I mean, that's what's so weird is that you don't need even necessarily an external group at this point to keep the scores. If every speed gamer is going to SDA, like, are there other, is there another game in town 
for the tools and like all this? There's some other website people use besides that to get their most their people. Most people up, upload their scores on like just speedrun.com. Uh, really? And, yeah. So it is separate from SDA. Yeah. Well, SDA, they're not like it's not like a thing anymore. Um, oh, the speed demos archive. I mean, they still do some stuff, but it's not like, I mean, people just post their, there's times to uh speedrun.com. That's, that's really it. Uh, and then there's like, it's different. Like, so like there's uh, a website that's dedicated to just Zelda speed runs. Um, but the big one mm. is where as soon as you break a record, you post it to speedrun.com. And then whoever is like the moderator of that game will look at your video and either accept it or not. So I've got three registered games on there. On speedrun.com, just saying. See, I would love to do that, but there's that part of me that <laughs> it would even even if it's only a difference by like two minutes on a game, it would be soul crushing for me to see that like, good job, Phil, like you're ranked four hundred and seventeenth. Yeah, like, but uh, see, that's where like, I'm in Zelda, right? So like, my Legend of Zelda speedrun right. is I'm like a hundred and something. I haven't even looked in a long time, but, uh, if I would put more effort into it, I could move up, but I just, I don't have the time. Uh, what and about super Nintendo, super Mario brothers then? What about just regular super Mario brothers? Oh, nobody's touching Darby in or whatever. Like that's the, they're right well, yeah, around but 456. Do you think you're going to, do you think you're going to touch the Zelda guy? If, Cause I agree. I'm not going to touch Darby, but that's also, I have a I'm better chance of getting closer to the Zelda guy than I do Darby in. you know what I'm saying? Cause those are like, every frame in that game matters. Like, I mean, that game has been speed run and like beat to death. Right. Uh, I mean, so Zelda's the, the same way, but uh, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah. The person who runs Zelda, I, are they not hitting frame perfect? Everything, but not every single time. For... There's a little more room from error in a longer game like oh, Zelda. Okay. There is in uh, a warp, a warped run, any percent super Mario. Oh game. yeah. And what uh, sucks about when, and that's a good point. Cause also when you think about Darby and these folks who, you know, are, taking it apart on super Mario is that a lot of these they're just down to RNG where at one in every eight times you come out of this pipe, something does this behavior. Yeah. So by theory, you know, you have to gun it every time and you're going to lose seven out of your, and I know that's a simplification and I don't even know if that's a good example, but there's a lot of times where they've got to reset because all conditions must be optimal, including the ones they have no control over in order to yeah. get this thing to being perfectly optimized to get the perfect run. Right. But also in Mario where it's a five minute speed run, it's a little, uh, you know, you get a lot more chances at it where the legends of Zelda, any percent yeah. run is 28 minutes and 30 seconds. That's right. the, you know, that's, the record. But I just mean to take your point where you also have more control. You have more stake in how your run goes in Zelda in some ways, because nobody is going to reset a game 75% of the way through because this enemy that one out of eight times moves to the left, and then it moved, it, it moved to the right that time. And you're like, nope, reset. Like, that'll happen in these five-minute games all the time. But yeah. I feel like a game like Zelda, eventually you, you just have to learn how to be fast, but also within the constructs of the game where it's going to go left this many times, so be prepared. You know what I mean? Like, you mm -hmm. read it further, and you act in the moment, but you don't just jump ship every time yeah. it strays from the script. Whereas I think with Super Mario Brothers, like, these five-minute speedruns, if they stray from the script, you kill it. You start. I mean, there's also a lot more uh, help in the communities too. So like every game has like a speed run community, right? So like the Zelda community is great because they like give you manuals and like how to do it and do tutorials. You know, when we first started running Mario, there was no such thing. We didn't watch a YouTube no. video. We just we didn't know did what the hell it. we were doing. We just yeah. tried to be. Fun. We just thought it was yeah. funny. And we we'd finish but, under six yeah. minutes. And be like, yeah, dude, yeah. There's, there's nobody. Mm -hmm. Anybody's faster, right? <laughs> and so oh, because we did look up. We looked up. 
uh, Twin Galaxies. I mean, nobody was using it. Right. So the fact that we would have had like what I had like what would have qualified as the 10th place score. And I mm-hmm. still kind of enjoy thinking like, yeah, I would have been ranked 10th in the world. If Mario, when I know is like, that's a joke now. Yeah. Like, hell no. I'd, been, I'd be like a thousand. And I never yeah. was really 10th because that would infer that everybody was even <laughs> trying or saying their scores to this one site, which neither are true. Um, nobody was even paying attention to it except us in that same apartment where we were burning through cassette tapes and all that for the original radio stuff. We yeah, need to pick a game to speed run and just do I'm it. I'm down, man. I uh, I still think the one that is, if you want to get on the the actual of AGDQ, I think the one that hasn't been aired yet, and I think it's going to at some point, is going to be that uh, Nazo no Murasame Joe, uh, that Famicom disc system one that okay. runs on that Zelda engine. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so hard, though. Okay. Such a hard game. Well, I'll sit on the couch, man. No, that's all you. There you go. <laughs> it'll be like the it'll be like the Gallagher hammers. So, uh, that's yeah. that's all you. Um, but I do have. I mean, that would be fun to do an AGQ AGQ once. I'm not a big time streamer. I do stream a little bit, but mostly it's been Fortnite oh, lately on Xbox One. Yeah. So I forgot you have to really stream. You have to really be online Dude. and doing that to really man. get. Never mind. You don't have to have the fastest time anymore. You just got to be the most visible streamer because they need the. You views. just have to be chibi. You also have to be chibi. <laughs> it's true. All right, I think Old that's TV. a good stopping point uh, for the night. But uh, next week, uh, we'll be back with uh, uh, some more complete inbox. Uh, Phil, this was fun for the first show. I think we're onto something here. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if not, we have chuckles for ourselves for a very long time. So. Oh, that's right. We can just burn this one. It doesn't even matter. This episode, <laughs> I don't even care if anybody ever hears it. If you are hearing it, I don't even care that you're listening. How does that make you feel? Does it uh, make makes you feel me small? feel sad because, Good. no, actually, I don't care either. Personal, yeah, what a personal attack. Nobody cares. No, I'm just I can't wait for my girlfriend to never listen to this. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, my wife's never going to hear it. No. <laughs> bury this with a shovel, then bury the shovel. All right. Well, for Phil, I'm Rich. Complete. Uh, wait, hold on. Let's try that again. Uh, what's okay so for Phil I'm Rich this is the Complete Inbox Podcast catch you next time good night